0: Welcome to episode two of the Dark Side of Business podcast. In today's episode, we talk to Rick Lloyd, a member with SCORE, and to get his take on some of the dark sides of being a small business owner and entrepreneur. Today's episode is sponsored by Sally Sue's Coffee. Don't just drink coffee, drink coffee with a purpose.
1: Um, Today, we actually are bringing someone in who has a huge knowledge around small business. Not only does this gentleman have experience running a business, he also has a ton of experience experience mentoring individuals like myself and additional entrepreneurs and different aspects of how to help grow their company, manage their company. So I'll let him give a little bit of an introduction himself to kind of give a background of what he does and what he's done in the background in addition to, I can't say enough positive things in the mentorship that I've experienced so far from him. So Rick, can you just give us a, a brief background of some of your life
2: Sure, uh, well, it's it's good to talk to you, Tyler. Um, uh, my background is uh, 40 plus years in business, which includes uh, sales, marketing, uh, operations, finance, and uh, some um, internal consulting. I spent uh, 25 years with Keystone Steel and Wire, and when I left there in 2001, I was Vice President of Sales and Marketing. And I actually went back to Caterpillar at that point, and I was working in the electric power division for six years in uh, brand management for the uh, global brands in the electric power business. And in the last four years of my career at CAT, I spent in the uh, strategic investments group, which was uh, mergers and acquisitions, and then uh, internal consulting and mentoring with our, our people for staff development. And uh, I, <clears throat> I'm born and raised in Peoria, graduated from Bradley University with a degree in journalism. And then uh, later on,
1: I got a, uh,
2: an MBA from the University of Illinois Executive Program.
1: And now what do you currently do?
2: Well, right now I'm one of the mentors with SCORE. Uh, the Peoria chapter of SCORE is one of the uh, approximately 300 chapters active in the United States. I, I could give you a little background on that if you'd like.
0: Yeah, yeah we, we, why don't we learn out a little bit more about SCORE?
2: Sure. SCORE is a, a, a national not nonprofit association, and it's uh, focused on education for entrepreneurs and mentoring formation and the, and the growth and success of small business. We're really the d- business development field force of the U.S. Small Business Administration. Uh, the SCORE of Peoria chapter was founded in 1965. We have 26 volunteer mentors who provide free and confidential business mentoring, and it's uh, tailored to meet the needs of the entrepreneurs and the business owners and, and their personal objectives. Uh, our, our people have real-world experience and uh, a wide variety of backgrounds in uh, areas such as accounting, finance, uh, marketing, manufacturing, uh, law, Management and, and business plan preparation. So it's a really good group of people, and they are uh, they're all volunteers, and all of our services are free.
0: Awesome. So you're talking about mentoring some small business owners, and that's kind of what we're gearing this towards. Is we want to let everybody know more of the the dark side of becoming an entrepreneur, because I think some people, you know, might jump in, think it's all great and dandy to become a business owner, but they don't know some of the things that come with being a business owner. Maybe they didn't get told those things. Right.
1: So that's kind of the whole premise of our podcast. And I mean, me being an entrepreneur, I've learned, as you're well aware, many, many lessons very quickly. Um, And one of the things is, I think a lot of people aren't aware of all the resources that exist. Um, One of them being SCORE, I found to be a fantastic resource that I learned about. Um, Just the SBA in general, is a resource that I think is very underutilized. Um, In your experience, are there any other available tools that you find that people don't utilize?
2: Well, there is a um, business development center. Uh, The the area area of uh, we're dealing with is uh, they're headquartered at Bradley University. There are other organizations that are focused on uh, providing services and support for, for entrepreneurs. Um, many local banks will make references for people to help them get started in the business. And um, an organization like SCORE is really focused on not only the development of a business, but working with the uh, the owner through the life of their business. We actually have, uh, I believe, two or three clients that are in the process of figuring out how to exit at the end of their uh, their careers with their businesses so that they can do that and, and get the most value out of it and, and perpetuate the business. So. It's, it's a wide range of services that are available.
1: So I'm gonna start off with the question that we ask everybody, and it's probably my favorite question, is what do you think is one thing that you wish every entrepreneur knew prior to start a business, or taking on a role of an executive in a company?
2: Well, if you're talking about starting a small business, uh, we believe and we focus very strongly on having a written business plan. It really summarizes uh, the value proposition you're offering. That's the way of describing what the products and services are that you offer, who your target market customers are and market segment, and who your competition is. And then the business plan should also describe what sort of assets you'll need, uh, materials, uh, facilities, buildings, equipment, people, what they'll cost and how you find a way to finance them. And then finally it gives you details on your sales forecasts and the, uh, the financials that will come out of that for the first two or three years of business. If you don't have that, you really don't have a basis for starting it. And it's going to be very difficult to obtain any financing or, or outside capital if you need that to start the business if you do not have a business plan.
0: So if someone comes to you and they have a business plan and they think it's a great business plan, they haven't talked to anybody else, but they've kind of gathered some of their own information, wrote up, written up their own business plan, and then they put it in front of you and ask for your help and mentorship, what are some of the things that maybe you know, they might be missing from that business plan or you know what happens if it's just no good, the business plan is no good to start off with?
2: well you have to have a sort of test of reality when you're talking to someone that's starting up a business Uh, how much experience do they have Uh, what is it they want to do Uh, is this going to be their sole source of of income or is this something they're going to start while they're working another job or have another career and we've seen people that have those situations as well is this something where they have invented something and they'd like to find a way to get it to market or, or they want to start producing it themselves and selling it, uh, there's all sorts of those questions. And, and I think if I had one thing to say to somebody at the start of it, and that's that probably the most critical measure of a business when you start it up is, is getting to the point of positive cash flow. And people say, well, what's cash flow? What's really your checking account balance? I mean, how much do you have on hand to be able to pay your uh, your responsibles, responsibilities for Uh, all your costs, expenses, and and things that you've got to have to make the business run. And you've got to have, as a result of that, you've got to have access to enough capital to survive until a business generates positive cash flow. And, And one of the things that people misunderstand is that even though a business is profitable from an accounting standpoint, a growing business really consumes cash. And if you're going to grow a business and grow it rapidly, You may be profitable, but you may always find yourself short of cash to take care of your payables for your inventory materials, or for your people that you have to meet payroll, or or for any other thing that finances, for example, the receivables from the customers that are paying you. Most of the customers in a commercial situation don't pay you uh, uh, immediately, so you have to offer them terms of some kind. And that means that you have to wait to get that cash into your checking account. And that cash flow is really the the lifeblood of a small business.
1: That was an excellent point. One of the things that I've learned is even on terms, a lot of times those terms aren't uh, always followed as closely as they could be. Because even if you have, for instance, you sign up a new account and you have that customer who you have net 30 terms before you get paid, you may have to supply them three or four times prior to getting that first net 30 check. So, like you said, that growth is really consumes cash flow. That's a great point. Um, I, my next question I want to pose to you is, in regards to small business entrepreneurs, obviously you can make this as generalized as possible, but what do you think is the biggest mistake that you see made by starting entrepreneurs?
2: Well, <clears throat> I'd say the, the biggest one is underestimating the amount of capital it takes to get the business up and running uh, in the first year to two and I think that's that is the one thing that um, is is most critical and I think it's the one that's greatly underestimated by most people because things happen that you really hadn't planned for and if, and if you think you're going to spend, x number of dollars to get their business running it's more likely it's going to be 2x or 3x by the time you get it all up and running and and then you start saying well where am i gonna get the money to get all these things done you get halfway in the in the project that you're doing to get your business going and, and all of a sudden you find yourself short on cash so uh, number one thing is you you got to have a sales forecast and then Uh, a cost and expense forecast and then from that you have a cash flow projection and you've got to know how much cash is coming in and how much is going out and uh, when it's coming in. You can can send an invoice for $100,000 but if they don't pay you for the first uh, 60 days you're sitting there with no cash and uh, you're waiting for that money to come in. Uh, That makes it tough.
1: It does especially because the people that you're buying from they want their cash immediately
2: right so, your your suppliers may have that's another thing that happens is that you need to match the aging of your receivables and your payables so if, if you're paying your suppliers on on a 10-day terms and, and that means you've got to give them a check for what they they you owe them in 10 days and your customers are paying you on 30-day terms so your money goes out in 10 days, and it doesn't come back in for another 20 days after that. And, and it's, if you find yourself with the receivables that are uh, way, way uh, longer than your payables, uh, you run out of cash, and, and you've got to find some way to finance that. Absolutely, and I know some of the
1: advice that I've actually received from you was I was very fortunate in learning about, you know, offering a discounted rate to generate cash flow on cash on delivery. The problem is that only works with certain customers because a lot of corporations have those net 30 in terms like that aren't always interested in that concept.
2: It's just, uh, it, it's just one of those things that people sometimes uh, fail to realize. And, and you're right, the terms on which you, you buy and sell Make a huge difference. Uh, There's a there's a sort of a joke that goes around. Is that uh, I'll let you set the price, but I want to set the terms. And uh, you think about that, and you say, okay, well, uh, here's the price. And I say, okay, the terms are I'll pay you in five years. Well, you know, it it sounds ridiculous, but the point is that the terms have a great deal to do with how you manage your cash flow and, and what what you have available to keep your business running
1: absolutely and and with that joke even you look at on a one year even if that's the case you could cycle your entire set of raw materials off of their money which would essentially be free money um but yeah and that's a big thing that i think is missed a lot and one of the things that you joked about with me that i thought was a great piece of advice was um when looking at like construction like what build outs is get an estimate from two people, add them together, and that's probably what you're actually going to spend. And I've learned that with a multitude of our build-outs, that no matter what I forecast, it's been 30, 40 percent more, no matter how precise I try to be, thinking that I'm going to manage every penny. It just never comes out that way.
2: Yeah, it's it's, uh, difficult. And in many cases, there are unknowns that you uncover as you get into a project. And once you're halfway in you don't have much of a choice so you you find yourself having to spend more than you expected and then how do you pay for that as you're getting your business set up
0: so this uh, and then this all kind of just keeps going back to you know having enough money and having <clears throat> having a solid business plan without that you have nothing but if there if there's anything other if someone you mentioned this a little bit ago about having a product you invented and want to take to market or just maybe something like opening a restaurant or something along those lines how does somebody like what's the difference or the different paths you might go if you're you know trying to get a product out to market or if you're just opening a store or a business
2: well one of the things that i've seen this with another client that they had a really interesting and unique product uh, and, and their intention was to uh, start manufacturing it. The, the problem was that the tooling costs uh, to get in, into that business were uh, well over $100,000. And then to begin the manufacturing, the investment in that would have been close to another $100,000, as opposed to selling the, the idea, which actually was a design that he had a patent on, and he had about uh, another half dozen ideas. And, and his real business was creating and patenting ideas and selling them, not getting the manufacturing business. It, uh, <clears throat> at least that was the way we looked at it and we, we talked about it several times. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure what he ended up doing because he sort of, um, I don't think he liked the, <laughs> I don't think he liked the direction it was going with us, but we were Trying to make sure that he'd go out and spend two hundred thousand dollars and get into business, and then find himself with no customers. You know, it's, that's pretty tough.
0: If you have someone in that situation where you know they, they do have a good idea, how do you maybe what advice <clears throat> do you give to them to maybe you know they don't have the capital to where they can go and start manufacturing the product themselves, so they have to sell their idea how do you maybe talk somebody that isn't into selling their idea off of the ledge of hey if you do this you might end up having no no money at all and having no product to get out to these people what do you kind of do to like push them towards maybe selling their product idea because sometimes you know you come up with something might be a little bit of an ego might be you know this is your thing you want to be the one that sees, <coughs> sees it through to the finish line but sometimes it might just not be something that you can do and how do you get those people to kind of come down and maybe really look into selling that idea
2: well we, we don't push anybody into any decisions what we do is try and lay out the facts and, and uh, we, we don't do the work itself for example we don't do accounting we don't do law we don't do uh, sales what we do is provide perspective and, and mentoring and in the case of this one uh individual what i what i suggested we do is let's Let's look at the, the cash flow for the two different alternatives. One of them was the cash flow from selling the idea as a patented product, which you could either sell or license to someone, versus the cash flow for uh, getting into the business of of actually doing the manufacturing. And, and then you look at the two and say, okay, which which one do you prefer? I mean, which one can you afford to do? Can you finance this? And, do you want to do it Uh, a lot of times the the risks involved in something like that are are not laid out and I think that's another thing a business plan should include and that is what are the risks you're taking or what are the risks you might face as you proceed with your your business venture Uh, the things that are positive the upside will take care of themselves but but you have to look at the risk side of what you're doing in order to say is it a prudent decision and can i afford to make that decision and if it goes wrong uh, what are the consequences it's and it's not to sound negative about developing a business but you have to be very careful with with what you're doing so that you don't find yourself uh, trapped in a situation where you've made commitments that you can't withdraw from and you don't have enough money to continue to run the business so it's it's something we see a good bit of and we try and help people get through that. And um, You get a business up and running and you get it going, that's great, but if you don't think through the process at the front end, it's going to be a lot tougher to make recovery later on.
1: Absolutely, and I think one of the things, myself included, is you tend to see a lot of entrepreneurs who are very optimistic. We always look at the bright side of things. We never want to hear a worst case scenario. And I think that's a struggle with just, typically the nature of entrepreneurs in general. But I think that the whole point of this uh, podcast is to try to get people to really sit down and face that reality. Because, like you said, my personal example is, I know one of the things, growth, seeing some of the mistakes that I've made and facing the reality of it. I think that there is a lot of people who are always looking at the positive end of everything, which is great, like you had mentioned before, the upside's always gonna take care of itself is knowing what the downside can be. Um, so typically i found that for myself, I always need to think about best case, worst case scenario and then figure that it's gonna be 10% worse than worst case scenario. Because the reality is that stuff happens and if I'm wrong, <coughs> then it's, it's, a, it's a win. But if you bank on the worst case possible scenario, I think that that's kind of the best way to go. I think when I first started this company, I made a lot of mistakes in not doing that. And it's something that I've recently taken on um, from the ideology of realize that life's not all sunshine and rainbows and you have to make tough choices. So... Yeah.
2: Well, to, to that extent, you're right. that uh, People that are starting a business are optimistic. <clears throat> they're, they're energetic. And, and I'd say you're... You may be the most energetic uh, client I've dealt with in terms of of drive to get things done. And I, I think that's that's great. And it's that's really great, and you've been able to sustain sustain that over a period of uh, I think you and I have been working together for almost two years now. Yep, we have. Uh, and, and I I think the uh, the point here is that. You've gotta have the drive and and the idea and and the willingness to to go through some tough times to get there, Uh, but um, it it doesn't mean that everything's gonna be easy. Uh, But the business business plan and development of the business plan is the way to put the roadmap together because if you don't know where you're going, every road leads there.
1: So we'll go on a a lighter note. One of the things that I ask everybody, so in your career in business, like I brought up on our last episode, I found that one of my saving graces is having something that grounds me. So when because business, as you I'm sure you can speak to, we'll have you touch on this briefly before you answer the question, is can be extremely stressful. Um there's gonna be a lot of ups and downs, not just in with being an entrepreneur, but even from your experience managing. There's a lot of ups and downs. There's a there's a lot of stress that usually comes along with that. What did you find as something that grounded you, something that always made you be able to step back and realize that Okay, we're going to make it through this.
2: Well, I've got, uh, uh, I, I've got a couple of things uh, that uh, have helped me. One of them is uh, my wife was never hesitant to ask the hard and uncomfortable questions uh, when you come home from work and you start talking about it, and uh, uh, she's she's very uh, genuine about those things, and uh, that's been incredibly helpful to me. Uh, second is that I've had. Uh, several bosses who are really good at developmental discussions. And by that, I mean, uh, Rick, here's what you did, and here's what you should have considered doing in, in its place, or can you help me understand why you took that uh, direction? The, 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 the upside of that is, that first of all, is that they're there to help you and, and support you, but you can't get there unless you have a uh, honest and uh, straight-up discussion. The, the other thing is that in In almost every case, they were willing to trust me with uh, greater responsibilities when the time came. So if you're willing to to work with somebody who's going to tell you the truth and and ask you tough things, at the same time, you got a better shot at things when the opportunity comes around. And and I'd say the third thing was that uh, I'd say about – 10, 15 years into my career, we went through some very difficult times, and uh, you're you're sitting there wondering if things will. Uh, how's this going to work? And it was a big organization, um, and and we got through that. We we had to make some tough decisions. We took some some pay cuts, some benefit cuts. We we had to do some very difficult things. We had to let some people go. Uh, none of that is pleasant, but. At the same time, you've got a business that's survived and, and continues to to be in business for well over 100 years. So I feel like I contributed to that. But at the same time, a lot of other people made sacrifices as well. But thinking back about that when I went further on in my life uh, gave me a, a good deal of confidence that, uh, you know, somebody thinks this is difficult. And I'd, I'd say, you know, this this is tough, but I think I've seen worse and in many cases I had and and that that's sort of the way to look at it because the thing that confronts you is always sort of like how are we going to get through this or get around it and uh, if you've been through that a couple times uh, you have a lot more confidence and you also aren't as uh, it doesn't scare you as much uh, if you've if you've been through it before
1: Absolutely and that makes sense. I mean you see a lot of these entrepreneurs who have started companies who have been able to replicate their success and I think that's a big part of it is they've seen it and it's not as scary to them. Like I talked about my podcast, my son, my fiance have always been a huge part of keeping me grounded at that and every time I talk to my brother, he'll always ask me if I he's like you've been shot at today and I'll tell him no and he'll always tell me life's okay. So that's one yeah. of the things that I've always used as a way to kinda endure that. But I just want to Take a moment, though, and really thank you for coming on and kind of talking with us. It was great information. I think that this is going to be very helpful to the people who are listening to this. Um, As always, your mentorship is greatly appreciated. I'm always learning something new.
2: Well, thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. And uh, if uh, folks want to uh, get in touch with SCORE, we have uh, a national website and a local website. It's scorepeoria.org or a score.org which is the national um, website you can find uh, entrepreneurs you can search for somebody you can find mentors for entrepreneurs you can search for someone with specific experience uh, from across the country and see if they can help you if we can't do it here so and i've had uh, half a dozen of those calls from places around the country as well so it's it's really a, a great organization the people are, uh, good to work with, and uh, I enjoy it. And it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun to be able to help somebody that's really got an idea, and, and it's it's starting to move. And I I, I enjoy working with you, Connor. And uh, we'll just try to keep this up.
0: Hi, right, Rick. Thank you very much for joining us. We do appreciate your time and uh, and all the great insight that you gave us today. Great. Thank you very much. Take care. Episode two of the Dark Side of Business podcast is brought to you by Sally Sue's Coffee. Don't just drink coffee. Drink coffee with a purpose.